0: Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Welcome to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two friends and lifelong film fans sit down to talk about great movies, what makes them great, and sometimes what doesn't make them great.
1: And in the first segment, we always talk about the big picture, the big takeaway. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about The Godfather. Uh, Mike, I don't think there's a lot of disagreement among us about The Godfather.
0: No, it's a great film. I think... If there's any debate at all, it'll be about what the greatest scene is, right?
1: The nuances and things like that. So there won't be a lot of uh, fisticuffs in this episode, right? Unless they get really, we get really esoteric. So the first thing we like to talk about are the big takeaways of the film, watching it again for the podcast. And one thing that occurred to me uh, on this, my billionth time of watching The Godfather, is how how perfectly it evokes an entire world and i think certain movies are really really good at that like as soon as you turn them on you're you're immersed in this world and i start to think about what other movies are like that like i thought about casablanca Mm. i thought about goodfellas i thought about um 2001 i thought about there will be blood I think that's a great example of an entire world, and I think it's from the first frame, you begin watching The Godfather, you start to look at the corners of your screen, you start to look at what bit players are doing, and it's remarkable how completely immersive the experience is.
0: I would agree with that, and I think that that first scene of the wedding really is is the perfect introduction into the world. was surprised in kind of looking up some fun facts too about the Godfather, uh, how much uh, geekdom there is about the Godfather, about who's a capo and what the structure is. I feel like every Godfather (laughs) fan at home has like an FBI cork board up with the little pictures and faces and who, and who works for who. But I think that that's part of the immersion or that it has its own vocabulary and its own diction, I think is why people get so stuck in the universe of the Godfather. I don't, you know, I don't, I think that there are other great movies, but certainly this is maybe the most rewatchable film that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: It might be. There's that great bit, I don't know if you ever saw in The Sopranos, where, where Tony walks into the, the back room somewhere and they say, so which one's better, uh, one or two? And Tony's like, I'm not having this debate again. I cannot have this debate again. And um, we were talking earlier about, you know, whether or not we think of one and two as one big movie. And there's, you know, there's pluses and minuses in that. Maybe we could do that in another podcast. But um, what would you say, watching it again for today, so if my thing was immersion, right, what was your big takeaway from seeing it
0: again? So I was actually going to say, the way in which the film manipulates you into becoming part of the part of the family. I I, I won't say part of the mom, I'll I'll say part of the family. And there's, there's really only two ways that you can react emotionally uh, or morally to the film. And you you have the Michael response and the K response. And I think that, it's, it's kind of like uh, if you've ever seen a movie oh, sc- michael if, if you have ever, ever seen a movie scene where uh the two parts of a train start to come apart and our heroes kind of split between them as like, they start to, it's morally ex- exactly like that M- michael and Kay show up to the wedding they' the right. symbol of union uh, as a unit let me introduce you to to my family and uh i think that there are moments even now watching it for the hundredth time where I'm very frustrated with kay for not understanding and then right. you're frustrated with Michael for the decision making, right. you know, and I, I think that that's uh, utterly symbolized too by the the, the the moral backbone, the person who makes it okay for me is the presence of Vito through the movie and Marlon Brando's wonderful, wonderful performance. I never wanted this but, for you, but I as, never wanted this as for you. he starts to fade out of the yeah. fade out of the movie, I think that things get much starker. The movie gets more dramatic and less and less fun. Right. So you can understand almost like being part of the family. As long as there is a Godfather, a lot of this makes sense. As soon as he's gone, you have to figure it out for yourself. That's where the, the divisions come in.
1: And that's a new way too. I mean, that's what Godfather Two is about, is that Michael is not his father. Right. Michael is not the man that Vito was, right? It's also interesting you just said it makes you it makes you feel like you're in the family as opposed to in the mob. Because, right. because it, and I don't mean like the mob family, like uh, like the Sopranos turned on its ear, but I mean you really do care about the family you know, more than the uh, organized crime aspect of it. And that's what gets you sucked in, right? And about, are you going to go Michael's way or
0: Kay's way? Absolutely. So the in, the film sets you up to understand the ways in which Michael thinks, or right. be, or because he doesn't think that way at first and comes to think that way, I think that we're seduced into it. So I'll, I'll give you an example for example, when Fredo is sitting down and he sides with Mo Green. Right. Before you see Michael's reaction or the family's reaction, I think that you're meant to feel or anticipate the <laughs> way that they'll feels continue. All right. so, no, I, that's all I have.
1: So. No, absolutely. But also, is it interesting that as, the, as it goes on, you start to understand, certainly the the screenplay is so strong that you get to understand how Michael thinks and why he thinks what he does. And he begins in the in the, the family family, but ends obviously in the mob family. Yeah.
0: And I, I think that it, in that way, it's a film very much a, about inertia, right? So that right. the mob, the old way is, right. is, is ending as they start to get into drugs and other things. And that's as, what Salatza was all the, about. The, exactly. Yeah. But Momentum in the sense that Michael starts really from zero and then starts to pick up speed. But once he starts to to pick up speed, it is exactly like a like a runaway train.
1: Okay, great. All right. Welcome back. In this part of the show, we like to talk about a key scene or a key line or something that we think reveals to us the bigger issues of the movie. So for me, uh, I think, you know, you can, again, like any good screenplay, you know, Howard Hawks said that the Howard Hawks rule, right? Three great scenes, no bad ones. A lot of people, I imagine, would pick the baptism scene or, you know, like you said, the wedding scene before. My bit watching at this time is a specific moment of the wedding scene, and it's when Vito won't take the picture without Michael there. And Tom Hagen says, you know, your father, he's telling us, like, your father will not take the picture without Michael. And eventually Michael shows up. He's, you know, in his uniform and they kind of drag him up there. And at the last minute, he runs out and gets Kay and brings her into the photo. And I think that's a great moment for so many reasons, right? It's, it shows you that, you know, Vito has a soft spot for Michael. You know, when at the end of the movie, he says, um, you know, Santino, you know, even Fredo, I never wanted this for you. I wanted you to be Senator Corleone, something like that. So he does have a soft spot for Michael. Um, but also that it shows you the family dynamic, and that the movie really is about Michael and about Michael coming into that picture in every kind of way. Um, he's proud of it in the beginning that he's not. That's my that's my family, Kay. That's not me. Um, he tells the Luca Brata story about Johnny Fontaine, kind of like an amusing kind of thing. But um, I think that the, the the arc of the movie is Michael going into that photo and also dragging
0: Kay into it as well. So let me talk about my. Favorite scene, which is, I think, the moment at which he does come into the picture. Okay, uh, and it's and it's this, and we can we can argue about it. But I said in the in the last segment that the momentum of being drawn in is like a runaway train. Uh, the moment when Michael goes into the bathroom uh,
1: uh-huh. to,
0: to get the pistol and comes uh-huh. out, if you if you remember, he's yeah. he's almost startled for a second because he hears yes. an elevated train pass pass by the restaurant. Uh, now he hears it twice. He hears it once in the bathroom. He hears it once as he's standing there about to do it, we hear the train, but there's a lot of argument about whether the, the noise of the train is diegetic or non-diegetic. Yeah, that's a
1: famous godfather thing that right. that Michael really wouldn't have heard the elevated train.
0: So I I believe that the first time that he hears it, when he when he's made the decision to take the pistol back, uh, is, su- is supposed to stand for him picking up steam, literally, uh, picking up momentum. And the second time comes from within him as he's reiterating to himself. And I think it's cheesy to have him look around at the restaurant or look, look at anything except the two guys that he's right. about what he's going to do. Um, and I think that it's the perfect uh, filmic sound way to, mm-hmm. to encapsulate the decision, because of course, you know, watching the entire drama of the rest of the film, this is really what's going to carry him into later decisions, it's, it's the do or die moment.
1: Yeah, and it's great because we usually don't give sound enough credit when you're when you're watching a film. Like, like it's very rare you leave a movie and say, you know, the sound was really effective. You might say it was loud or it was cool sounding, but um, I was reminded of that slight tangent if you saw Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, where he restored all this footage from World War One, You know, not only did he restore the footage how it looks, but upon a second or third viewing of that movie, I noticed how great the sound was. Like what did World War One sound like? And a lot of it, he was guesswork, right? You're trying to make it accurate. But in The Godfather, in that bathroom scene, of course, the, the sound is all, you know, I think the second one, you're right, it's in Michael's head when he comes out. And of course, like we said before, the whole arc is Michael, you know, becoming The Godfather. The title's about him as much as it is about Vito. So let me ask you another, let me pause and ask sure. you another question. You know, um, not only just how great is Al Pacino in this movie every time you see it, but I, I was even more impressed this time. Especially since we watched The Irishman already, which is him like totally handing it up. Good solidarity. They wouldn't dare. Um, I can't think of a performance, and I'll tie this into Godfather 2 as well, where where an actor shows so much restraint and makes it so meaningful when he's at the funeral and he's watching everybody come up and trying to figure out who the traitor is. Um, it's remarkable how much how much low play or how much uh, downplay Michael. Is effective. Yeah.
0: I have a thing where there's something about great film actors. They have the ability to see themselves on the screen while they're acting. In other words, they, <laughs> they, they know what it will look like when they're doing things with their face that they obviously can't see uh, at, at the moment. And there's a there's just something about Pacino's performance really where the kindness leaves his eyes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's replaced by a shrewdness. Or right. A panic, right? And I think that really, that's an incomparable performance yeah. for me be, for that reason. And he
1: surprises his brothers in the scene where he's talking with his jaw broken. He goes, mm-hmm. "You know, who shows sure you can't call a cop? I'll call him myself." And then Sonny teases him, "Ah, what are you gonna do, nice college boy?" But they're all surprised by Michael's performance there. Just as I think the viewer is constantly surprised by Michael's performance when you watch it. I mean, every time you watch The Godfather, it, you can't believe how good he is in it.
0: I I really can't yeah. it's it, there's it's it's almost a performance that you can't talk too much about even though we are we are now it's just it's just something that you have to watch but really the, the performance for me is is all the eyes yeah it's it, him staring at people it, right because in the beginning he's looking at k and then he's looking at men
1: right right absolutely okay
0: all right, see you for the next segment see you
1: at the next segment
0: Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, great. So in this third segment... We're going to talk about the title or the ending or our big takeaway. So, Dan, I, I know you have something here.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I mentioned before the title is obviously about Michael as much as it's about Vito. Um, before I even say my my little note, I'd like to say um, people always say the book is better than the movie, but not here.
0: No, the the book by Mar- Mario Puzo said it that if the book were going to be that well-known and he had known that he would have written it better.
1: Really? Yes. I never heard that. Yeah, because I've, t- I've tried to read it and I haven't tried to read it with uh, my monocle or something like that, but it just doesn't. It, and it's, a, it's remarkable how – Again, that, to make that total world, how Coppola could read that book and see this film in a way that I couldn't see it because when I read the book, it was all like it was like a rough draft for the film.
0: Well, Coppola had such a great team. I mean, the performances notwithstanding, right. and this is really a this is a who's who, but not because they were in The Godfather, but because it's a true who's who. Yeah. You know, Robert Duvall's career wasn't made by The Godfather; he right. was great before, during, yeah. and after. Right. And he's really just playing Tom Tom Hagen. But you know, Coppola really had one of the greatest production crews of all time, yeah. and we don't have time to get into, but. Yeah. They had people that really understood film that could hang out at his house, study what should be in, right. what should be cut out, and I think if Mario Puzo had a vineyard and had his friends hang around telling him what belongs or doesn't belong, the novel would have been a better novel.
1: You mentioned the killing of McCloskey and Salasa before. You know, there's you can read the annotated um, screenplay. By uh, by Coppola, and one thing that he did was I don't know if you know this. He took a razor blade in the novel, and he would cut out pages from the novel and tape them onto a piece of notebook paper, and then annotate those novel pages. and You could read his annotations for the novel and figure out who would you know who would do what in the scenes. It was really remarkable. So at the end, we're talking about the end about you know the famous shutting of the door. Mm-hmm. So before you said it's that, you know, Michael and Kay are two different approaches to moral decisions you see in this film, right? So, you know, everyone gets the closing of the door, you know, just this once you can ask me about my business, then he lies, and she's just happy to believe the lie. But then you get that moment at the end. Now, what do you make of the moment where she sees him getting his ring kissed? That certainly is a question mark above Kay's head, because she she wants to believe the lie. Mm-hmm. But she's not a, she's not, um, a fool, mm-hmm. right? It, that's the great moment that becomes to full fruition in Godfather Two when we learned about the abortion and everything, right? But certainly um, she she has a moment of doubt there where the door doesn't close
0: perfectly. Yeah, and I think it's, re- it's because part of Kay's moral system is to believe the best in people and to believe the best in, in herself, right? So right. We, we see her um, – I'm not going to say that she has expensive taste, but she's obviously well-dressed. She's right. providing a good life. Uh, for her children, I, I think that that's part of the the quandary, or the the wanting to believe it. The, I, the other half of it is that she was in love with Michael as a, as a person. Right. Michael's whole Michael's whole thing when he comes to the wedding is that you can tell that what his definition of family is begins to narrow mm-hmm. as the film goes on. Right. Um, you know, for Kay, family is everybody. Family is other humanity. You have no reason to kill another human being. Right um you know michael may, might believe that but in his military uniform he says it's it's another kind of family but then it narrows to maybe italian americans are his family but from italian americans maybe it's these specific italian americans and then it narrows even further to maybe it's specific italian americans to whom i'm biologically related to but i start to pick and choose who who I'm related to until he's like a little bullseye in the center, just by himself and isolated.
1: And that's why the last shot of Godfather Two was so great when he's alone on that bench, just right. sitting there. I mean, he's narrowed. He's narrowed uh, Fredo out of the family, certainly for sure, right? That's the whole arc of that film. So, what about you? What about you about and the end scene or about other characters or points of view? Or what was your one of your big takeaways?
0: I think that part of the key takeaway for me uh, has to do with the the baptism mm-hmm. scene, which is. Ultimate irony, obviously there's irony in juxtaposition, right. um, but there's greater irony in realizing that that Michael really has no uh, system of belief. In other words, there's the people who <laughs> he's are- He's not at, a
1: hypocrite. There's a lot of- People love to say, he's a hypocrite there. He's not a hypocrite. There's a
0: lot of people at the baptism who are hypocrites. They, <laughs> they're they going to mass, they're, they're observing the niceties, but they will plug somebody right. before, during, or, right. or after. Um, Michael is not really observing them. And, and we are privy to his thoughts uh and and feelings in a way uh that that is menacing there's a there's a lot of things in, in famous films that are meant to be menacing or they're, they're meant mm-hmm. to be felt and again I think it's a performance that's done with the eyes yeah. when he's on when he's on the altar and a lot of people in the room I think can tell that he does not believe what he's doing I certainly don't believe I certainly don't. Yeah. And he he's not buying the his own BS.
1: Right. And uh, of course, their marriage is BS. When he comes back and, ha- and tries to woo her on that street, street when he sees her as a teacher, you know, he already had his passionate love with Apollonia and then we all know what happened to her. So I think he needs Kay because she kind of completes the picture. Like if you're running for office, you have to have like an, oh, excuse me, you have, to, you have to have like an attractive waspy wife and that's exactly who she is. She fits the bill for this thing he's about to build. But whether he believes in her ma- in their marriage, I, I never got that
0: sense at all. Right, exactly. But I think that Part of it is that we see the consequences uh, right. for it, which right. is that he's he's become the thing that he never wanted to become. But right. but also, you can tell that he actually does express some love for his father. right? He doesn't yes. call him dad through the whole, he calls him pop. Yeah, everybody calls him pop. I you drink, to,
1: tell, I drink you, too much red wine. It's <laughs> good, good for you, your pop.
0: You can you can tell that Tom right. uh, loves Vito. Yeah. Michael has become a Vito, but without love.
1: Yes, that's exactly what, and that's why that scene is so painful when he says, "You're out, Tom." When he, when he kicks Tom out of the family. And and just because he's not a wartime concierge, and Robert Duval can't believe it. He's like, what do you like? We've known since we were we were infants. You're out, Tom. And so that's what he is. He's veto without love. And of course, we'll have to do an episode on Godfather 2 when you, when that becomes even more pronounced.
0: All well, time's up for now.
1: Okay. Well, that was a lot of fun. We'll see you next week.
0: Bye-bye. Hey, so if you like the podcast, please subscribe. And rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You could also follow the show on Twitter at 15 Minute Film. That's 15MIN Film.
0: Tweet us or drop us a line for possible titles you'd like to hear us cover.
1: And thanks for listening.